Hello tribe and welcome to the High Order Podcast. This podcast is all about finding yourself through mindset and movement. Our guests will share their struggles of everyday life and how they found a drive to turn their dreams into attainable goals. We are proudly sponsored by CrossFit High Order, an all-inclusive fitness facility in East Haddam, Connecticut, whose focus is teaching movement, building mindset, and education on nutrition. Thanks for tuning back in. I'm your host, Andrew Petrullis. You have your co-host here, Matt Fryman. Who do we have on the show today? Today we have Darcy Lucas. Darcy is co-founder of Mission Fitness in Glastonbury, Connecticut. Which we had Matt Mund, who is the current owner of Mission Fitness, on two weeks ago uh, in our podcast called Vulnerability. So you haven't listened to that, please take the time after you finish this podcast, go back and listen to that one. He's got some really good knowledge bombs to give you guys. But anyways, back to Darcy. So I've known Darcy for a few years now. I'm grateful to have met her because she's introduced me to a whole number of incredible people, athletes, friends, family members, just awesome people. Darcy is a devoted wife. She's a daughter she's a sister she's a awesome friend she's a tribe member she's a doggy mom she's an athletic trainer she trains high-end clients at mission she is an iron man she's an ultra runner she's reached the podium in 50 and 100 mile races so she's um, definitely had a lot of high uh, successes in and and it, like some of those were on her very first time ever running that distance, which is yeah, she's even, extremely <laughs> even unique more individual. impressive. Where I'm a person who is looking to accomplish big tasks and just complete them. Yeah, she just shows up to these competitions and podiums, which is incredible. Yeah, and honestly, people that have known her forever or have just met her would have a similar impression. That's that's just the kind of person you meet when you meet Darcy. She's an all-around badass. So in this episode, she shares her struggles. She shares her successes. She brings up a lot of valuable lessons that I think we can all learn from. It's just an awesome conversation. One thing I want to talk about before we dive into the conversation with Darcy is uh, we do have a lot of ultra marathon runners on here. And we're just going to give it a, a reason why. One, Matt has been in the community for a long time. And the ultra marathon running community has been pretty small. It's kind of been blowing up the past couple of years. So he's got a lot of people who've done these huge accomplishments. And to me, I look up as uh, I look up at ultra marathon runners because it's one thing that I haven't done and I look to do for sure. And uh, I, I just think it's one of those accomplishments that somebody at any level can get into. It's not, you don't need a sponsorship. You don't need uh, to graduate from college with a degree in that. It's just one of those things that you can pick up legitimately tomorrow. So uh, that's why we got a lot on here. And uh, I think they have an incredible message and we're super happy to have Darcy on here. So welcome Darcy. Uh, let's talk about like some of your biggest accomplishments. You know, we, we kind of went over them in the beginning, but uh, we're going to dive into, let's dive into the Ironman and let's dive into your 100 miler sure. and kind of what we want to talk about is a little bit like what, you know, how'd you get started? Like, how did you go from, hey, a life of fitness of uh, what you're doing into, you know, 
taking on that challenge of that big race, you know, and before we even dive into that, just give a little background of how fitness got into your life. When was the start? Was it a young age? And kind of give you your, our, your path on the fitness, our sure. on fitness. Sure. Um, so I feel like I was always defined in my childhood from a very early age, as early as I can remember for my basketball. Um, as a female back when I was younger, which I'm f- almost 40 now, so there wasn't um, a ton of female sports. And I do remember as a female basketball player, I played with the boys all the time and um, always excelled, was always on the all-star team. And then um, throughout my childhood, kind of that's just how I was defined mostly as a basketball player. And then through high school as a three-sport athlete, I think I was maybe all-state at all three sports. And What sports? Um, soccer, basketball, and softball. And... Um, Basketball was kind of what I was always known for. I was always like a top basketball player in the state, played AAU basketball back when there was only one team. So there was like 200 girls trying out (laughs) maybe for one team. So you always had to be like the top 10 in the state, you know. So um, and then went on to play college basketball and um, actually just got inducted into the Hall of Fame a few years ago. Yeah, for basketball uh, at Eastern Division Three. Yeah, so I was a point guard there. So that was just a like kind of defined my childhood of who I was. I was like Darcy Munn, the the basketball player. And um, so from there, I went to college and I kind of needed to make a decision about what I wanted to do with my life. I had no idea. And so I just thought about, you know, what do you like to do? And I knew I liked fitness and I knew I liked gym classes as a kid. So I decided to be a PE major. Um, so I was a PE and health major in college and um, came out of college, started doing some student teaching, some long-term subbing and, um, and what? As a PE teacher. PE yeah, teacher. so actually in Glastonbury, which is um, kind of where I live and have <laughs> Mission Fitness now. So um, realized pretty quickly that I spent my whole life trying to get out of school and I didn't want to spend my rest of my life in school. So um, had a couple kind of negative experiences teaching and realized I didn't want to do that. Um, went into the corporate world, um, started the rat race a little bit and... Uh, my brother at the time, who was on your podcast earlier, Matt Mund, um, was working at Health Tracks as a personal trainer. And at the time, I was working at a bank. Um, and he would like text me throughout the day and he'd be outside with his clients. And I'm like, what am I doing? So we decided to open Mission Fitness together and um, kind of got myself back on that fitness track, started doing like 5Ks. At that time, I had maybe gained like 20 pound corporate weight. Um, and, uh, freshman corporate, yeah, freshman, <laughs> yeah, right. The, the corporate desk, 15, desk jockey. Uh, yeah. corporate 20. Yeah. And, uh, I don't want to say I was sedentary. I've always just kind of, since my years playing basketball has, have always been going to the gym, but just, you know, like going on the elliptical for 20 minutes, didn't really, um, do too much. And then, um, as mission fitness developed, I want to say around, and kind of rewind a little bit, like I had always been a woods girl um, my whole life. So I think my brother and I started doing like adventure racing together. And then I'd always been a mountain biker. I met my husband. He was, this is in my early 20s. He was a big mountain biker. Um, and then around, I don't even know, like the ultra world started to develop around 2013, 2014. Um, so far, all your interests and in your relationships with people have all been sort of like predicated on some sort of like physical activity yeah yeah from the time Um, you were a child yeah exactly to be clear we didn't say before this interview 
let's bias your whole life story around movement because that's what we're about. We didn't say that. Like you are legit a living yeah. example of this. Yeah, you know? everything. And then and then I tr- I thought for some reason I could sit at a desk all day and literally people. I was working at a bank. Isn't and, that crazy? Right? Yeah. You, could, you thought you could do that. I don't I know what I was thinking. Too. It, and, it catches up within a matter of like months. Yeah, months, like literally people that didn't know my history, didn't know me, didn't know anything would sit at my desk to like open a bank account and say like, what are you, they literally say like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I don't know. You must have restless I, leg syndrome. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I was like hopping around in my chair or something. <laughs> but for whatever reason, they, they saw it in me and they're like, you, and I was moving up the corporate ladder. Like they were going to make me a manager and I was getting like raises when everyone else, it was like during the like economic crash and I was doing really well because I, you know, because of my athletic background, I do think that's why you tend to excel in the corporate world probably too. Um, But I just knew it wasn't what I wanted. So right when I got offered this big raise, I went away with my husband and I was like, I can't go down this ladder. Like I can't get caught in this rat race. So I got out of that, went into mission. What were you feeling when you said that? What, 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 what was the impetus for you to just decide that I don't want to be in this I just wasn't happy like I knew it wasn't me like like becoming like I wasn't happy about the fact that I was like moving up and becoming a manager which meant like a 12% pay increase for what like at what cost like that pay increase meant nothing to me because I wasn't happy and if you're not happy then for me like money meant nothing like I didn't care so what were you doing for fitness wise when you're, you know, like in general, you're, you're saying that you're unhappy, but like, what is your schedule? Like working this corporate world, yeah, where's your bank. fitness? Yeah. Where's your fitness getting in? Like, you know what, are you doing any fitness? I think I was literally just like going to like a little gym in my hometown Fitting and like, like 20 jumping minute, on the like elliptical, elliptical for 20. That's it? I think I was reading like people magazine and like on the elliptical for 20 minutes. Like I was just lost. Like it wasn't me. It wasn't who I was. So I you're pretty much. I think like that was a big turning point from when you still implemented what we call like play into your lifestyle. And that was the big switch. It was that corporate ladder of climbing up and doing well and being successful and slowly realizing that you're no longer having that play time or that gym time is like, you know, being pulled out of your life. And then you kind of hit that. I was like, this "This is not, this is something's right. Right. Something's not right in my body. Like I need, I need to go back to, like my kid playing alive. in the woods yeah. Yeah. like and, and trying to like dive into right. that. Yeah. And know? I was like, luckily, cause I think that's a point where so many people just keep going, you know? And like then, yeah. Why well, did yeah. they do that? Why do you think they do that? I mean, based on your experience with people, you know, and maybe I, you I get was, like addicted to, to that, or, the feeling um, of making more money. Do you get addicted to like nicer, fancier things? Yeah. Like, it's easy to fall in that trap. It's easy when you are surrounded by other people that are, cause, um, I'm very fortunate where I have a husband that's so supportive of everything I want. And I feel like sometimes maybe people may not have that home support. Um, We didn't have kids. I think that's a huge, um, I don't want to say benefit because it's not a benefit, but like deciding factor where like we were looking out for ourselves and we knew that we would be happy with, you know, if we had to buy, we we were cutting coupons at the time. Like we, we could get by with anything. And Mm -hmm. and later we could talk about how we found out that we could live in a camper and be happy. So like we knew that we didn't need much at all to be happy. So we were able to take risks that I think a lot of people maybe put themselves in situations that they're not able. We were living in a condo way below our means. Um, We hadn't, you know, I think a lot of times people may, buy a house that they have to afford the mortgage like we never put ourselves in those situations and nothing against the people that do that but we just put ourselves in a situation that we didn't have to do anything that we didn't want to do to be happy so um and we've done that our whole lives which i think has been something that's 
been a huge, huge, um, just a good decision for uh, for us yeah. in our lifestyle. Good and habit. yeah, and I think that played a big part in why we didn't have children either. Because I never, you know, I feel like when children are involved, it just there's a whole different mindset, you know. So for us, it was just like we just got to take care of us, and we don't need much. So we're gonna do what's ever gonna make us happy. So and your um, decision not to have children was there anything that was was that like a milestone or something happened in your life? Um, no, I just never just like had a... that instinct. Like yeah. I never had that maternal yeah. instinct. Like I never did. We I went through a small phase where I and I still do to this day. Don't get me wrong. Like literally two weeks ago, I asked my husband like. Do you think we're going to regret that? Because I see my nieces, my brother's yeah, kids, yeah. and my, my sister has a daughter. And I'm like, I love them so much that I can't even imagine that love that they have for them. But um, it's just not, any, nothing I ever wanted. So um, I guarantee you that the listeners who are in a similar boat are all nodding their heads. Going yeah. yeah. I get it. It's I funny. And mean. like sometimes yeah. you want like... I'll ask other people who don't have kids who are like in their 50s because I feel like at that point that's when it starts to get scary when like you're getting older and like who's gonna come and like check on you Take and care stuff. Of me. Yeah. That's exactly and right. I like always like yeah. ask for like approval for some people sometimes. I'm like, so are you okay? Like, is, are you still happy still With, being concerned about you? I just thought of something, not to get off topic, but the, the people who don't have kids. Right now, every all three of us, we don't have children. Yeah. We kind of gravitate towards each other. Do you I think it's a subconscious that. thing where we want to take care of each I other? Know. I <laughs> thought about that when I was like on my way here because I was thinking. I don't know why I thought you about thought that. About I'm like, wait, yeah. Over? I'm like, none of us have kids. Is that weird? Like, probably <laughs> no, the people with kids weird. aren't even going to listen because they're too it's busy with their kids. You know, what? <laughs> I, I didn't even think about that. That's yeah. so funny. I had no yeah. idea. Like, I didn't We're even trying think to take about each other. Yeah. I look at like my dogs as kids. That's why we can do ultras because we don't have kids. Time it takes so much, yeah. I mean, all that training, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It takes too much time, that's why it's, it's a lot doing, of time so. for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, Sorry, so then, so, so I, I, yeah, I don't even remember that time in my life, like what I was doing. I, I can honestly remember reading People Magazine for 20 minutes on the elliptical, and like that seems like such a different that's person. Enough. To me. That's so, enough, that's yeah. enough, that's all yeah. I need to know. No. I know, so, <laughs> so, so somehow I, um, I got into 5Ks and then. I don't like running on the road. I realize that. I love being in the woods, and I started doing adventure racing. And then I don't even know how my first ultra. I think I did a road was marathon. Your, was your uh, Ironman first, your ultra? No, I did ultra first. I did a 50K. I did that with my brother, actually. We did a 50K together. And then I went to Cayuga and did the 50-miler, which was insane. It was my second race I've ever done, my first 50-miler. And it was, the, um, it was the second year Cayuga did it, and it was the um, national championships for the trail running. And so it was like... It was like me being in a movie to most people and like seeing like famous actors. It was like all the people I see on the covers of like Trail Runner magazine, like Magdalena Boulay, Chrissy Mole. Like it was like celebrities to me. And I'm running the same trails with these girls, like unreal to me. Like, so um, I did that 50 miler and I actually ended up placing, I want to say fifth or sixth in that. And that was a Western States bid actually. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's incredible. So I finished and I was like, hmm, I think this was like 2015. I was like, wow, I think I could maybe, and I actually ran with the girl who was sponsored and she was like, you know, you could get a sponsorship. And so I started like kind of, hmm, maybe I could get a sponsorship. And then, um, so that was my first 50 miler. So uh, were you still feeling like I want to do another one of these crazy ultra trail races when you were done with your first 50 or were you? Yeah. Cause you, I, after you I went through I fin- that phase of where we waited a day or was it like a year before you decided to do your um, like, So that was 2015. I, I want to say, in, <laughs> oh God, I think after the year after I did the Were you like 50, hooked right away or you just I think so. Yeah. Time? First of all, what made, me, what made me hooked was the girl I ran with. It's a sickness. Was so amazing and uh, in in like the stuff she showed me throughout the course like 
like unreal things that I've never seen in racing before. Like we were like top five, the two of us, and this someone had gotten injured and she legit stopped for like 10 minutes to make sure they were okay. And she like taught me so much about the ultra world. And I was like, this girl is so amazing. And if this is what the ultra world is like, then this is what I want to do. You know, yeah, and like afterwards yeah. it was just so chill. There was no like, people weren't like, wearing headphones or like there's no like I don't run with any watches I don't do any of that I don't have anything even on my bike when I did the Ironman I had no watches no nothing wow. so I was like this is the vibe I like yeah so um I finished and I certainly was like dead and but I I knew this was the world I wanted to go in you know yeah, cool. but as that far as the sense. Ironman I don't consider myself I'm not a things person which goes into what we were talking about earlier about like the camper and just wanting to live yeah so the the Ironman like I don't consider myself a triathlete I had dabbled in like the Lake T triathlons before um and I was a mountain biker I wasn't really a road biker at all but I had gone to Lake Placid to watch the Ironman for several several years like seven years in a row and if you ever go to an Ironman event you understand the energy of that event and like you get there Lake Placid in New York Lake Placid we're obviously international for you folks oh yeah for all of our, <laughs> for our listeners nice yeah. America. They are. They are <laughs> yeah so I went there for the first time with my brother and it was like I gotta do this like this is on it's like the opposite of ultra events ultras you finish and there's like one person at it's the finish line yeah right. it's like yeah. unreal at lake placid you go into the olympic oval and it's just like a dance party and i was like i gotta do this and i said that for like eight years straight like i gotta do this i gotta do this and so it was more of like a bucket list item the iron man thing for me of like you know what this is so out of my comfort zone but i need to be a part of this i need to kind of just like put this on my like you know bucket list and do it so i did that in 2017 um which was it was mentally just a tough challenge for me the swim thing the swim part was real tough for me but my real world everything that i'm passionate about and what i love is is the woods and you know trail running and i which, will yeah sorry i'm trying to be a good podcast host and remember just to remind people iron man is a 2.4 mile swim yep uh, 112 mile bike and then a marathon, run a marathon after. 26.2. 26.2 26 miles. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. It's yeah. A lot. How long did it take you? I was about 11 hours and 40 Jeez. minutes. Yeah. It's smoking out. Yeah. What's the cutoff for Iron Man? That's fast. I think it's 17 hours, Your right? first one, that's fast. Yeah, yeah. that's smoking fast. Yeah. Like, that's not, like, I just wanted uh, to not drown. Like, that was my only... <laughs> I got so, so quick. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. I got on that run, and I literally had people, like, fans that didn't know me, like, not fans, uh, like, spectators, telling We're me fans. to slow... Yeah, they're my fans. <laughs> telling me to slow down, because I just got off that bike, and I was just so pumped to be running, and I just took... A, I went back and looked, and I did, like, a... I think my first three miles were, like, a seven mile pace or something Jeez. like that i was just so pumped to be on the run and like in my comfort zone and, you know? yeah, yeah. That, you know that's, that's usually with those tri uh triathlons in general there's always like that one thing that you're unsafe with yeah. and for me that's been running like i could swim good or i used to swim really good not so much anymore because <laughs> i haven't done it in a while um i'm good on a road bike and uh because i've been mountain biking all my life so i'm good on a road bike but my gait's always been so bad at running. Yeah. And uh, now I have a, a heel spur. That's uh, our bone spur in my, right in my heel. So uh, like, it that, looks that like a... That thing looks like a pack of cigarettes coming out of your <laughs> Dude, head. it is it's huge. I'll show you the picture later. It's, so it's, I was just at the path... So I was just right at the pathologist. I think that's right. Not the pathologist. The podiatrist. Whatever the heck they are. 
yeah, one of those yeah, doctors the, the begins the pee. Yeah. So the doctor goes, wow, that is the largest Hagland deformity oh. I've ever seen. And oh, so no. they have to like carve the whole thing out. My heel like looks like I have two heels. I got to carve the whole thing out, cut my Achilles tendon, reattach it back onto my heel. Um, and I can't drive for two to three months and I can't put any pressure on that. So my goal is once I get the surgery done, perfect time to fix my gate and yeah, run an ultra. <laughs> like, so, yeah. so that's been a big drive of that. But, uh, going back to you, I saved the video where you, you sent me a video, uh, yesterday or two days ago, promising holding you to it, that you're going to run an ultra when and, you, once you heal up. And, and it's going to be really podcast, cool so. about it is like, I'm going to like actually document that entire journey. From the time of like surgery on, mm -hmm. because I think it's just uh, going to be interesting for me to look back on my own personal life and see that in any time that I'm feeling like down or feel beat up, I could look back and be like, hey, it used to be worse. Like yeah. I couldn't even walk out of my house um, for that purpose. But at the same time, you know, like what I always believe in is inspiring others. I mean, that's why you're on here, Darcy, is to help inspire others. And uh, one thing that we're definitely going to talk about um, is... So you do your, you know, your hundred miler, you do these Ironmans or at least one, but you left the corporate world, mm -hmm. right? And you opened up Mission Fitness with Matt Mund, which we had on uh, two podcasts ago, Vulnerability. Go check out that podcast if you haven't listened to it. He's got some awesome words and a great message and he has some huge accomplishments too. And um, one thing is, is that you made a change in your living style as well. Like talk to talk to us about living, you know, the corporate life, having the nice, beautiful home, and then deciding, you know, talk to us about like how you decided yeah. to pack things up and live the RV life. Sure. So first, it wasn't a nice, beautiful home. It was a condo that we didn't love, but we actually kept the condo. So what happened was, I know exactly what happened actually. So it's kind of a funny story, and it's it's funny how the universe works so um I had a mom call me when I was training and she made a comment that sparked everything for me and it's so weird that I remember this exact moment but she was telling me that her daughter was going to be late for training because she drives a really nice car and she has to wait for all the other kids to leave the parking lot at school because she has to leave last so she didn't like damage the car and the way she said it, like it just, <laughs> oh, it was yikes. this, yeah, wow. it was just this Holy moment Lord. for me where I'm like, I don't belong in this life that, like, I don't belong here. And looking back, like, I know I belong here now. Like, I know I just, I have a different mindset now. So everything that's happened since then, this was probably four or five years ago. I, I'm back now with a different mindset. But back then I heard that and I was like, this isn't me. Like I need to live a simple life. I need to get out of the rat race so that these other people, like I wasn't able to separate myself from other people. So I was like listening to the people around me sometimes and like watching these people like buy these nice houses and work so hard to afford these houses that they weren't enjoying. And I was just like, I don't think advanced enough in my thinking and like who I was as a person to understand that like it shouldn't affect me as much as it did. So it did, it affected me a lot. And I just felt like, I must be a part of this because I'm, I'm living with these type people and you know, whatever. So I started to like look on the internet and start looking in like people that were living full time in campers. And I wanted to just like 
get rid of everything and just live in a can. And I had this, I started this dream of just leaving and my husband and I living full time in a camper and like anything on the internet, when you start to look for it, you realize that there's a whole community out there of people that are doing this and like, not just like a husband and wife living in a camper, but like families living in a little small van together. And like, I became obsessed with it. And I found this girl who was just amazing, amazing writer. She's written two books since then. And her and her husband quit their corporate jobs and um, bought, actually, no, they didn't buy a camper. They just did full-time travel. They were just living in like hostels and stuff. And I became obsessed with her writing and I would read it to my husband. I remember one time crying, reading it to him and him hugging me and saying, we're going to do this. And again, he's so supportive of anything I want. So, um, the other part of it, a little side note is I just hated winters. Like I despised them and I didn't let myself like change my opinion of winters. Like I almost fought it in the sense where I like wouldn't buy nice winter coats because I just hated it. And I just didn't like, I just hated it and I wouldn't change my opinion about it. So, um, I knew I wanted to go South and get away from the winters. I hated driving in the snow. I hated, and I just, I think what happened is I just became like obsessed and I wouldn't let my mind shift at all. Like I couldn't change my thoughts about the way to think about Connecticut. I just became obsessed with, we need to get out of here. So why do you think that, what what was so alluring? Is that the right word about just like, what was happening was we kept racing, getting away from it. Like what what was it about that? It was almost like an obsessive thing. I felt like, I felt like I didn't fit in. Like I felt like I like had these ideas of what I wanted in life and I couldn't find anyone else that understood it. And the other big thing was, we kept going to Florida for longer and longer. For, so like the, um, my in-laws live in Florida at the time. So the first time we went for a week, then 10 days, then three weeks. And the time that we went for three weeks or maybe even a month, I came back and I remember like pulling into a New Jersey gas station and it was pouring rain and freezing. And I think the other thing was the weather. I was just like, I need to get into like warm winters. I can't do the winters anymore. You feel anymore. like you found some... Um... Con- uh, connection. Yeah, looking like for a, a tribe. tribe. Yeah, I was going to say, it with, sounds with like you're like, you didn't have a tribe. People people. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't, no, that wasn't it though, I don't think. Because I didn't even, I just like wanted to like get out did, of, right? I just need, felt like I needed to change. Of, like I needed to get away, yeah. And I didn't even, I thought it was going to be, so the first, so what happened is, so my husband and I found a camper. We bought it in South Carolina. We spent the first night in Asheville. And then we went to a um, national park. We went to the Blue Ridge Mountains and we stayed at a state park there and we actually spent a month there and worked for a free stay so we became like workers at the campground and it was literally just us in the blue ridge mountains like there was so no other campers there. free stay free stay we like built on the comp- on yeah the we like built like stone walls and um cut trees down and we basically worked for the campground for a free stay it's called work camping there's a whole life out there of this so we did that we stayed in the blue ridge mountains for like three weeks or so and then um, we did another work stay where we stayed at a place in North Carolina. So uh, we spent five months in the camper. And part of it was we, we knew we wanted to move. We knew we wanted to get out of Connecticut. And, you know, we just felt the taxes were too high. There was no income tax in Florida. Like, we just found all these reasons to get out. So, but before we just moved to Florida, we wanted to try other places and make sure that um, there wasn't somewhere else that we liked better. So we took the camper for five months and we just traveled all up the East Coast, Savannah, um, Charleston, Asheville, all these different places. And um, yeah, so we just lived in a camper and then came back to Connecticut. And then after that, decided that Florida is where we wanted to go because it was warm. All the other places we went were not that warm. We actually had freezing rain in South Carolina. Um, 
But the, the RV, it wasn't an RV, it's a tow behind 20 foot. We lived in a 20 foot space together for five months. Like it was, it like was tiny. Like how many square, do you know the square footage of that? No, but it was, it was like tiny. 200. Like, yeah, like, yeah, not like, even, like, not even. It was so small. But we had like two coffee cups, two plates, like all we needed. Like anything, like if we use the coffee cups, we wash them and then use them. You know, like we had nothing extra. Simple. Simple and small. And like everything's based on weight because you're towing it with your car. And like, so everything we tried to make as small and, and you know, weightless as possible. And, and your whole life was based on like collecting firewood, cooking your meals, doing your laundry. Like it was like you were living hundreds of years ago. Like you went back to like simple living. Like your day literally went by so fast because you were just like doing chores all day. And um, we loved it. Like I look back now still and I'm like, those were the best five months for us. Like we both loved it so much. So then we came back, um, but decided that we were going to live in Florida. So we bought a place in Florida, sold our place here in Connecticut. Um, what, and then, what made you so different from everyone else who sits at their cubicle and dreams of doing this? What, what was the thing that, that made because you so Because I just started, needed you know? so little in life. And I'm like, if I need so little, I don't need to make that much money. And I don't need to work that much. And like, I just wanted to be simple. And I didn't... I didn't care about cars. I didn't care. I didn't care about anything that I felt like. And I'm not even saying it's true. I'm saying that what I perceived in my mind was everybody else wanted these materialistic things. And it's nothing. I just wanted to hike all day. And I just wanted to be and and do things that were free. And like. And looking back at this whole experience, because I'm feeling like you're going to move on from this. Like, how has this changed you now? And and how, how do you look at that phase in your life in terms of its importance in your development and who you are as a person? Well, first of all, I feel like back then I kind of judged those people. And I feel like I almost had this like back to ego and like narcissistic way about me where I kind of felt um, that I was better than them. And now I can come back and say, no, I just have different ideas of what makes me happy. So I can still live in this environment where there might be some people who really want to buy a nice car and that's totally fine. And that might mean a lot to them. But now I can, after growing and realizing like, this is where I belong, I can look at that and accept that and say, that's not what's important to me, but what's important to them, it doesn't make me any better than what... I feel like I've grown in that sense where I kind of was more judgmental back then. You liked coming back home too. I loved right? coming back home, yeah. Yeah. But so you also did say that like you still remember those times as being some like the best times, yeah. right? Um, and I, I totally want to dive into that like quickly for like a, a few minutes. Okay. So with every podcast, I always like to try like uh, tying into a military experience. So it helps me kind of deal with what I do with with war, like mentally. And at the same time, that helps me relate it to like civilian life so people can understand kind of what I go through through other people that could probably relate a little bit better of what they're going through. And one thing that you said is like, I think about the simplicity of living life. I need to step back. And I really enjoyed those times in life. And sometimes people always wonder why we always dream about going back to war. Like, why would you ever want to go back to that? And why would you ever want to experience that? And one, it's because you do it for that tribe mentality. And the brothers that you build over there are sometimes stronger than like blood. And you can't really explain that to anyone. It's not like they're taking the place of my brother because I love my brother to death. Um, It's just a different type of love per se. And the other thing was that every day was filled with a way to survive. Like every day it was what can I do to make sure I could wake up tomorrow? 
And when we bring it back to that simplicity of life, of like RV and life, and you know, you're working at these campsites to just stay there and you're getting your firewood and getting your food and stuff like that, those days do fly by, but it allows you to slow life down, especially the world and the culture that we live in, that everything is so fast paced and it's all about a race to the top. Like you're talking about that rat race. And it lets us to like to reflect and look at ourselves a little bit deeper and kind of understand a little bit more about ourselves, you know? And I think that's like super important because one thing we talked about before this is like our face in front of everybody and our face in our own personal mirror. Mm -hmm. You know, for someone like you, and we're gonna dive into that after this point, like a person like you that you still have clients, you still work at, you know, Mission Fitness, right? You're leading uh, classes and, and have personal training clients that, uh, you know, rely on that, rely on you, they look at you and they go, oh man, it must be really easy to be you. Like you've always had fitness in your life. So it must be easy to get up at, you know, 3 a.m. to go for a run or something like that. Like, and I think people don't realize how much that's not easy. Just because you're fit doesn't make things easy. It doesn't take away any of the stressors of life, of anxiety and depression. It doesn't take those away. It's a way that we have implemented into our life to help us deal with those things and make sure that we don't fall down the rabbit hole in a negative way. So when people look at you and they go, man, Darcy, it must be easy for you. Like, what's something that you want to let like people know? Well, <clears throat> first thing, it's funny because I was just thinking about this the other day. Like, I'm on the treadmill and I'm trying to do four miles on the treadmill. Yesterday, I think it was yesterday or the day before. And I'm like struggling to do four miles on the treadmill. And even in my own mind, I'm like, how the heck did you run 100 miles or 50 miles? And I'm like, this, I wish people could see me here in this moment because <laughs> it's like, I am struggling to get four miles in. And I'm even questioning my own self. Like I did it myself. And I'm like, how the heck did you run for 50 miles? And so, so it's never easy. And it's so funny. Like I, people look at me sometimes and they're like, you could do that or you could be on this show. And I'm looking at them and I'm like, you're more fit than I, like in my mind, I just, I never look at myself as that fit of a person. And probably because, and I think I kind of, so many of us live in our past, like probably the most responses I ever get from posts or blogs or whatever, are more like failure type stuff. And I don't want to say negative, but like when I was playing collegiate basketball, I think I was probably like 20 pounds heavier. And I posted like a before and after picture of me, like when I was playing collegiate basketball versus when I just finished my first 50 miler. And I was like, like no one recognized me. Like I was a legit, at least 20 pounds heavier and I'm only five, three. So that's a big difference. And it's like, I've struggled with weight my whole life. Like people think they see that picture and they're like, wait, what? Like, I always just thought that you were always fit. And it's like, no, like I battled anorexia. I battled bulimia. Like I've gone through all of it. I've gone through, you know, like probably obsessive working out versus being like sedentary. Like I've gone through it all. And I think that people just see who I am now and they don't realize that even who I am now, I have days where I'm like, I just text Matt, what, yesterday probably? Yesterday. And said, yeah. hey, why do you race Matt? Because I'm starting to think maybe I shouldn't race anymore. Maybe I should just be okay with working out an hour a day. You know, like I have so many negative thoughts. What did we talk about in our text? What did... So what happened was I just, I've been in a slump. Like, again, why I moved to Florida is because I deal with like seasonal depression. And um, 
I've been in a slump and I can't, I, four miles is a struggle for me right now. And I'm like, you know what? It would be nice to leave the gym and do an hour workout and feel like it's enough. Like feel like, so I, I was like, maybe I'm not going to race this season. Maybe I'm just going to be okay with feeling like an hour workouts enough. Cause I just had a, I've had a bad winter and I text Matt and I'm like, random question, Matt, why do you race? Like I just needed to hear his answer. And he gave me an amazing answer. And I was like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. But like, I have days, like that's what people need to know is like every day can be a struggle for me. And four miles can feel like a struggle for me. And a mile can feel like a struggle for me some days, you know, and I used to be 20 to 25 pounds heavier and I've dealt with, you know, obsessive eating and bulimia and, you know, like, and I, and I'm deal with anxiety and depression and, and I just think, you know, sometimes social media, um, makes people think that I, I remember when I moved to Florida and I'm posting pictures of the beach and everything was, I look back and I'm like, wow, I look really happy. And I remember coming home and telling one of my friends how miserable I was. And she goes, oh my God, I never reached out to you because I thought you were so happy. Cause it's like, she's following my Instagram stories and mm-hmm. I'm posting pictures of dolphins. And, and yeah. I was miserable because I had no job. I had no car mm-hmm. and I was in a condo by myself surrounded by zero friends. And I had no tribe. I had no meaning. I had no purpose. I was waking up every morning with, but they were seeing pictures of me biking in the sun it was 80 degrees i was you know at the pool and they're like wow how 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 would you convey that other side that that deeper side to them through social media if you were to do it i've i've probably done it through my blogs a little bit but through social media it, i guess it's hard where, but i where try can they to find your blogs at? And um so i'm not very active on it anymore i used to be but it's the world is my gym.wordpress.com um, the world is my gym. The world is my gym. WordPress.com. And the reason why I created the blog is because when I thought I was going to live a full time camping life, I was going to do workouts that people could do at campgrounds. Basically, and I've read most of it. Yeah, it and, and and what you said before about journaling, um, what you've done with your with your heel and how you prog. I actually, it's like my journal. So I go back now and I read my race reports and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. You know, so it's really a nice way to like journal my progress and what I've done. And that's exactly, oh, sorry. sorry. Um, There's so much we could say here. Yeah, like, (laughs) and and I know it's like, you're like, it's so nice to have your viewpoint. Honestly, you don't realize the, the, the path that you just opened uh, for us in general. But like, uh, you know, I always talk about how bad I, I look at social media is and, and how much it like brings everybody down. Uh, but we rarely talk about the positivity about that. And mm-hmm. that's something that I try to do with my social media. Like if I could, I'd be off of it. But at the same time, it's exactly what you said. It is my journal of life. And it's not about, uh, hey, look at, look at my fancy things or anything like that. It's more of like, you know, I want to look back on this on, you know, in a year and two years and just to see where I'm at and actually mm-hmm. like visualize where my life was being right. and we can use it as that journal. And like you're saying, like people are looking at that, but they're being inspired by you, even though you're going through stuff and that they don't even have a single clue about you're mm-hmm. going through it, but you're still being able to inspire people. And you don't know what those individual posts of like, showing yourself in the woods, riding mountain bikes and just living this like beautiful life and how it can help out. And at the same time, you can look back at those and reflect and be like, oh, those were good times. And that's kind of like a really good thing that social media does is yes, it can create this false face of who are we 
and this is my life when really we're not that happy. But at the same time, once you find that clarity, which I fully believe that like you were talking about earlier before as well, is that you've changed that mindset since you moved back to Connecticut, you're not living out of an RV, you have a different view on life, but now you are living that face that's on you know Instagram, that's face that is on social media. And right now is such a good opportunity to explain that and just like show the in-depth look at what that Instagram was. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. let take you look at like where you were at and where your head was at and telling people, hey, you know, it's okay. It's okay to like post these images of positivity and, and, and still struggle in life if that's also helping you get to like where you are at now and where mm-hmm. I feel like I'm at now. Like, I'm not fixed. I'm not healed. We never But are, my presence you know? is gotten better so much from sharing my story and opening up about things. Mm-hmm. And to like me, it, it sounds like what you've been doing, you know? Um, Matt, did you have a question? Unless like I totally turned your brain off from it. No, not at all. That was awesome. And I also just wanted to thank you for saying, to uh, just talking about having any struggles at all with things like bulimia, with depression, anorexia, those things. I really, really, I think that that is really freaking... Um, it's hard to say. What what's the word courageous? Yeah, thank that's, you. that's brave. I mean, yeah, and and you know, whether or not you posted those types of struggles on social media or all or all the positive, um, I think it's all beneficial, and I think that all the struggles that you had to go through and that we all go through. This is my perspective. I think that I think it's true for everybody, whether or not you agree with me or not. I'm going to be really stubborn here and say <laughs> they all matter all the bads and all the goods are what made you who you are today yeah yeah it, it really is true and yeah. it's it's cool because you know i had uh nadine my one of my uh coaches at my gym on on one of my first podcasts and she opened up about her eating disorders mm-hmm. and when you look at nadine she is fit. ripped i mean Strong, ripped fit, like she's really specimen. really fit so everyone always assumes that she just naturally is like that and eat what she wants. Mm-hmm. So telling that story and she used the gym as an outlet to like deal with her like eating disorders. And it's it's really good to hear you guys really open about that stuff because right now there's people suffering from that and they don't think that like there's another way. And they don't think that they're going to get over it or they're just living in that life and and being able to hear the other people that, yeah, you know what? I'm really fit right now. I went through all that stuff. And, you know, I just kept on, you know, creating a healthier mindset to get to that point. But, like, when we talk about your face on, like, Instagram, we're going to dive back into this. What's a good message for people who may be going through that struggle right now that are posting these pictures of them in the Maldives and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. living the world up and in reality have that hard time dealing with depression anxiety like what are some things that you can say to help them go from that point to kind of like where you're at now and just like having a different outlook on life well i don't necessarily think that those people that are posting those things are like i don't remember when i was doing those things like trying to be a different person like i wasn't trying to yeah i should probably rephrase that yeah i should probably rephrase that yeah i I mean I, i don't I'm just I guess what like, the other point yeah, would be was like, like yeah, those people that, that are looking like, at those yeah, other people. Like I know I both get what you're both saying at the same yeah. time. Yeah. I feel like what's happening is yeah. that more 
people are looking at the people doing the posting those pictures and thinking that maybe their lives aren't good because those people are yes, diving. That, that's yes, that's what I mean. Sorry. So, <laughs> yeah, otherwise, it, it sounds like a jerk. Yeah, and like no, but I do think though that people. Big asshole to everybody. Like, yeah, no. No, but I do think that some people try to put up a mask probably by posting things that um, aren't really them. And, um, but I I just think that. It's just a snapshot of what people are like. I it's a f- perfect example. So I actually posted something one time on Instagram, and it was this beautiful picture of the beach. And I was like, I posted it, and it looked so beautiful. But my caption was like, "What you guys don't hear is the baby crying in the background, the construction going on in the left." So like, if you saw the Instagram post, it looked beautiful. But like, my caption was like, "Here's the real story. Like, there's a baby <laughs> crying right next to us right now." So like. You know, like all these, like even these camping photos and stuff I see on Instagram, being able to live through that life and I'm able to see them now, but with a different eye. Like I'm able to see these Instagram photos that I saw probably six years ago and and like created this image in my head of like the birds chirping and stuff. And now I'm able to look at them and be like, okay, this is beautiful, but there may be a drunken guy next to them at the camper next to them. (laughs) You know, like there was this one campground we stayed at and like it was beautiful, but the guy next to us like had like an, an old toilet outside, like you know, like there's these you're, people are like, you know, putting filters on and there's stuff that you're not seeing. So like just always know and people know this because they've posted Instagram pictures. Before. Yeah, I'll never exactly. forget someone told me this story of what happened and they're like, I'm like, oh, my God, your trip to that winery looks so beautiful. And they're like, oh, my God, we were miserable. We were freezing. We didn't even want to take um, like everything I thought was. So we all know this. We all know. It's like, yeah, it's. I did look at I'm not going to lie. Like I looked at your like Instagram like uh, and I just go. Damn, I want this girl's life. Uh, like, I'm yeah. just like, and I'm holy not gonna, yeah. cow! Like, this is beautiful. Like, she's living the life that I want. Like, yeah. it is, and, and I'm not saying that in a bad right, way. Right. Because guess what? You are living that life. Right. Though, don't take away yeah. from it. Yeah, it might not have been as perfect as the picture right. is. Right. But you are still living that life. Like, I have to say, like, so, so you know, f- fast forward. We now live in Glastonbury. We have a we have a home. We don't have a condo anymore. We have a home. And we are so happy. And I have to say that I'm actually kind of conscious of what I post on Instagram now. And I have, like, I do have an amazing life. But it took me a long time to get here. And it took me, and I'm not even close to being the person that I want to be. And I don't think any of us ever will be there. Like, I think we're always have to keep doing work. And once you stop doing work, then, you know, you're probably wrong. But, um, but we've created, we've created, we've done this. It's not luck. It's not, people always say it about me and my husband, you're so lucky. It's not luck. We've created the life that we wanted. And um, I am, it, it's a great life. And, you know, like the things you see on Instagram now, like, you know, yeah, I have anxiety. I, you know, I um, no longer suffer from any eating disorders, but I do have ups and downs like we all do. But I, I do, I'm back in Connecticut. I'm happier than I've ever been. And, um, it took a journey to get here, but I will say that it's pretty, it's pretty great. What yeah. do you, what do you, when you say doing work, it's not, what do you mean? Um, what did I say doing couple, work? Oh, on myself? Ago, you said like the work is never, it's, it's never done. And when, yeah. it, if it is done, that's when you got to kind of watch out. I think yeah. It's kind of the spirit of what you just said. What, 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 what I mean, do you on mean yourself, what, what like we all have that? so much work to do on ourselves constantly. I think like, yeah, do you feel, do you feel like that fire, that pressure, that's, that's, that almost like stress that that urge to just keep keep doing work every day otherwise, yeah otherwise things are going to go backwards 
Talk. No, I actually have gotten to a good place where I can like right now, I think you and I have talked about this, but I can lay on the couch and like watch a Netflix, Netflix marathon and not feel guilty. It, it was a, a long. That's why I wanted to ask you yeah. this question because I know you. As yeah, a there was a this, like, I was super guilty. There's a lot of people that are like, you know, especially hard charging yeah. people like that. I, I've learned that the winter time now, which is why I've learned to actually enjoy it and not dread it as much as like a time to like rebuild and restore and refocus and like there's times where I'm on the couch and certainly I'm like, I should be reading a book. And of course I have my brother who's like amazing. And he's like reading books and like doing nothing but listening to Jordan Peterson and YouTube. And I'm like, here I am watching like Shit's Creek on Netflix. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God, like I need to be doing something better with my time. But like, it's just as I, good though. Yeah. And I've learned that like, need. I need that need. time and I yeah. need some like fictional books to like unwind and like, it's just what I need. And there's certainly times where I watch no TV and I'm online watching YouTube podcasts and stuff. But then there's also days that I need to literally just lay on the on the couch and watch a Netflix marathon. And that needs to be my day. Hell yeah. So. There's nothing wrong with yeah, it. Yeah, I know. Right. Right. Yeah. That. <laughs> so, That's totally cool. That's fine. So another thing I want to quickly ask you is through your Ironman and your 100, what was more important, the journey or the finish? Hmm. So, jeez. All right. So, (laughs) so, you know, the the easy answer is the journey, right? Because that's what you're supposed to say. Um, Right. But I would say with the cut, 112, the the 100 miler. 112 um, miles across Connecticut. Don't cut it. Don't cut it. Don't cut it. In case you're just tuning in, the Connecticut Ultra Traverse. It was inaugural race 2017. It's a 112 mile north to south uh, across the state of Connecticut yeah. ultra marathon. Yeah. But it's also insane. It's also you have to support yourself the entire time, right? Psychos. They, they yeah. don't. Yeah. They, you <laughs> yes, don't, you also need yeah, a vehicle yeah. to support you. Yeah, so. you got to put that out there. Yeah. They don't have like rest stops, right? It's yeah. not like they have well, food provided and like people have to um, have their own crew vehicles with members that volunteer all their time and they spend money on the food, yeah. the water for the runners, and everything. It's is not like your local five k where you have yeah. the Gatorade at the end with a uh, orange yeah. peel, right? Yeah, yeah. and. So I've I, never done actual, yeah. like, I would call it, like, a real 100 because, like, this is just, to me, was just insane. And the only reason why I know that is because you can look at, like, normal 100-mile finishes, which are, like, you know, maybe 18 hours, 19 hours. And this one, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, so, hours. so let's say, hours, let's say yeah. 20 hours, and this one's, like, 33. It's just ridiculous. The terrain was just yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, this is 30 to 40 hours. Yeah. You're, like, rock climbing on this. Yeah. Right. And it was, like, never and an easy moment. Lots but, of trap rock, lots of undulating yeah, up and down lot, terrain. Yeah, just a lot, a lot, a lot. There's navigation involved. So, so, the, so that race, I'd say the finish was, you know, the, the okay. end, the, the finish was what was... And I'll get into that. The other ones are always the journey because it's always the days that you don't want. The alarm goes off. The last thing you want to do, it's the exact reason why Matt texted me back and said, this is why I race. Because the days that when you don't have anything on the calendar, you can just sleep in, you can hit snooze, you can skip the workout for the day. When you're training for 100 or 50 or whatever, it's like you're getting out there and you're spending time with your buddies, you know, our buddy Justin. Like those are my favorite times when like you and I have done some runs together, some hikes together, and it's like, going up to the white mountains like that's a hundred percent you know the journey what got you there and what gets you up in the morning like that is what's more important 
the cut. <laughs> I uh, didn't really have many expectations going into it. I was just like, okay, this will be fun. All my buddies are doing it. I'll do it. My brother was like supporting us, which was awesome. And I got to mile 88 and I was just like, this is like, I love anything point to point. I love when like every step takes you closer to the finish. Like I just love that part Mm -hmm. of an adventure. And I got to mile 88 and I remember taking my shoes off and my brother just kind of looking at me and just looking at my feet and being like, like this look of like concern on his face. (laughs) And it was ridiculous. Like my, my toenails were just like huge blisters under them. And I was just I shouldn't have taken my shoes off because I shouldn't have looked to see what was going on. At this point, we were probably, uh, I don't know, what do you think, 24 hours in at 88 probably? Oh, at least. Yeah. Yeah. We'd just gone oh, through yeah. the night. 30, and I remember listening to David Goggins. I want to say he was on Joe Rogan talking about doing a 100-miler at the track and talking about having his like both legs failure, broken. Yeah, like both legs like broken. And, yeah. and I was like, what kind of human is this? This is blind yeah. he was. And like... I was like at mile 88, and I'm pretty sure, and I like went, I didn't go to a doctor, but like we have doctors at Mission, and they like diagnosed, I'm pretty sure I had like stress fracture fractures and bullshins like I couldn't it was I couldn't even walk like I was in so much pain and this is still with what 20 miles to go 20 it was mile 88 probably so yeah 20 20 a marathon left and I'm I look (laughs) back now and I'm like oh like that's what David Goggins did because I basically ran 22 20 whatever four miles with like 24, I, I, yeah, 24 hours. Yeah, with, like, I was yeah, 24 hours yeah. in, and I had 24, had 24 miles, miles left to go. Left. Yeah. And I had two ridiculous, like, I, I remember saying to my brother, I remember this conversation, I remember saying to him, I'm pretty sure my legs are broken. Like, I'm pretty sure something, <laughs> something's broken because I've never felt this pain before. And he, was, and, I, and he goes, just try. I think the next aid station was like eight miles away. And he's like, just attempt it. And I remember I was with Billy Baker at the time. And I remember running with Billy or walking. Billy I had say. a stress fracture. Yeah, afterwards. we both did. He was walking yeah, with a cane for like yeah. two weeks. Yeah. So <laughs> I remember saying to him, I was like, dude, you go ahead. Like, I am not good. I think I'm going to turn around. Like, I was ready to quit. Yeah. And I remember my brother saying to me at that aid station, you have done so much more than anyone could have. Like, he gave me this, like, ridiculous pep talk of just, like, you have just blown away anyone's expectations. Like, what you're doing right now is just amazing. You've already inspired so many people. And I was ready to turn around. Like, I was just <laughs> like, ready. I was like, I'm done. Like, uh, oh, yeah, I yeah, yeah, I'm like, thanks. I'm so it's it. I'm good. And then something kept me going. And I remember doing the next eight miles. And I remember just getting into a flow. And I remember one guy stopping me that was hiking. He's like, are you doing a 100-miler? He's like, what mile are you at? I'm like, I don't know. Like, at that point, you forget. But I'm like, 90. And he's like, you look great. So, like, something happened where I just – and I think about that all the time. And I'm like – how many times in life are you ready to quit and you don't even know you have that second, third, fourth wind or whatever. And I'll never forget coming out of those woods because I'm pretty sure I haven't talked to my brother about this, but he didn't expect me to come to that next aid station. Like I'm pretty sure he thought that I was done. (laughs) And I remember coming out of the woods and it it was a street. It was right before that like Artie's cafe or whatever. And Matt was parked in the truck. And I remember my brother just like throwing his hands up in the air, like pumping his fist, like, And it was just that moment of me, like, I just got through something that was just so much bigger than those shin splints or whatever they were. Like, I don't even know what they were to this day. I couldn't walk for, like, two weeks. But, and most people would look at that, and I even did. I remember finishing the race and talking to my husband and being like, who does this? It's like, this is the stupidest thing. Like, why did I just do this? But I learned more from that experience than anything else about, like, what you're capable of. Um, what you can push through in life. So for that race specifically, I'd say the finish was 
Because I didn't think, I, yeah, I didn't think I had anything left. Like I, I'm, I became David God. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna throw this. I'm gonna flip this back at you, though. Yeah. What you just explained was the entire journey. And do you yeah, think, I you know, I, yeah. I think so it's, it's, it's a catch-22 like. situation yeah. is what it is. The journey and the, and the, the, yeah, the finish, I I you'll never, the, it's the chicken and the egg. Right. And that's what I always like to ask is just because you're like, the finish is more important because you got it. Yeah. But if that, if that was an easy trail, right. what were you going to say? Yeah, you know I what I'm saying? So it's, it's so hard to like dial it in, but I love, I loved your, and it's up to you. It's you're the one. It's it's your decision yeah. on whether it's the finish of the journey. Yeah. Yeah. No one can tell you you're wrong. Right. Your and and, and the funny thing is, is I always like to play devil's advocate with things, but I loved hearing that that journey. I loved hearing that in depth, and I'm sure everyone else did. So the people, you know, I'm sure people heard about your like cut one twelve, but you know, hearing all the little details is just so powerful. And it's funny because when Matt was on, when I sent him the questionnaire, the very first thing. I go, what are, your, what are your most proud proudest moments in your life? Mm-hmm. It's one of these questions. So I sent out a questionnaire to all the, the people who are going to be on my podcast uh, so they could answer it so we have a good idea of what we're going to talk about. And one of the first questions is, are, what are your proudest moments in life? And his first one was crewing the cut 112 yeah. for my sister. Yeah. And that's exactly right. And then what I think is, is it's cool is you said your brother – didn't expect you or might not have expected you to come out of the, the uh, woods. That works two ways. And that also probably played a huge part on why he put that first one. If he didn't think you were going to come out of the woods, you came out of the woods mm-hmm. and it just, you know, he knew you had it then he knew that you were going to finish that. Yeah. And uh, two, if he, um, you know, expected you to come out of the woods, he always believed in you and knew you could do it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, him giving you that little speech might have made him just like giving that little extra uh, importance of that event in his life and stuff like that. And so, even if he didn't think you were going to come to that next aid station, then he saw you show up, he was going to damn pretend like he uh, knew you were going to come. <laughs> just, to, just to keep you I was going to say, if you mind. ask him, he'll probably say that he did He'll never, me, but... he'll never, you will never know. We'll yeah. never know. You will never know whether he's telling the truth Matt, or not. Matt, tell us the answer. <laughs> tell us the truth. It doesn't matter. It can be totally yeah. up to him. You, you will never know because it's all in his head. I have to say, like, this is a good spot to say, like, and I think in our little pre-interview, we talked about the Vermont 50 as well, and that was one of my huge accomplishments but he was also at the finish line of that one and you know it's kind of like the um continuing thing that in my life is having him there by my side and you guys you know got to talk to him and maybe some of you heard him last uh podcast but he's just incredible like what you hear and what you see like is just a just a glimpse of just how amazing he is and I'm so fortunate to have him as my brother and my my I don't want to say boss but kind of the boss at Mission Fitness and like He's just, to have him, like, it, I don't even think I fully am aware yet of how important it is that he's been, but to have him at that cut, like, I've I've spectated an Ironman before, and I know how hard that is, and that's, like, 17 hours. Like, he was there for 33 hours. Like, whatever we asked of him, and trust me, in 112 miles, you asked some crazy stuff of, like, <laughs> what you want, and Billy asked him for some, and, like, somehow he came to the next aid station with it, and it was just amazing to have him there and like he he's just i'm just so fortunate to have him in my life so yeah he's been a huge part of my accomplishments so that was pretty cool to have him there all right darcy so one question we have for every single guest is what is something that you can help our listeners with of making their mindset stronger getting moving 
some sort of motivation, some sort of inspiration, some sort of way to look at themselves. Give me one thing that they could do today, tomorrow, or every day that makes them a better human. Hmm. So I would say um, maybe try to rewrite your story in your mind. So I feel like we all have this story that we've written in our mind of who we are and what we can accomplish and what we're capable of. And sometimes that story is way off of what we're actually capable of. And I see that with a lot of my clients. Um, When I tell them to do something or run a certain pace, they kind of have already decided in their minds what they're capable of. And, um, you know, when did you start telling yourself that story? I hear that from a lot of my friends who, you know, are maybe um, in the psychology world of, you know, we all create the story in our heads when we're younger and um, maybe it's time to rewrite your story. So maybe start thinking about what you're holding yourself back from, what story you've kind of kept with you through the years that maybe it's time to rewrite and um, just take a look and see maybe what you're missing out on because you don't think you're capable of it when you really are capable of it. That's really good because I literally had a a goal setting session the other day with one of my clients and we do goal setting sessions every 90 days, sit down. Hey, what is, what is going good? What are your struggles? Hey, here's the path to help you get there. Um, we do it every 90 days because life happens, right? And, And they're constantly changing. And what you said right there is so powerful in many ways, like, because we're talking about like fundamentals. Fundamentals of life, fundamentals of movement, fundamentals of uh, finding out who you are. And the client I sat down with um, just had some, went through some stuff in life with her body, just changing up her body. I don't want to say changing up her body, but um, had to have like some procedures done per se um, because of pain in her body and stuff like that. And getting back into fitness, it was like, I want to be like exactly where I was. I want to pick up where I left off. And I'm all about that. Like, I want you to be there too. But I had like to sit down and say, hey, you know what your goal is? Is just feel your body today. It's just like take a step back and realize the importance of finding that balance in life of am I moving correctly? Yes, my body might be a little bit painful, but um just kind of focusing your attention on your movements and, and really dialing in the fundamentals because our goal is to be healthy when we're, you know, 90 years old, right? Our, our goal is to walk, 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 die is the way I always like to look at it. And it's not a negative thing. It's, it's I don't want to go through the process of being in a hospital hooked up to 20,000 machines and then everything's like slowly dying one at, one at a time. And sometimes we need that. We need that little reset, that focus of, hey, what am I doing in life? And whether it is in fitness is like, man, I keep on getting injured doing this deadlift over and over again. When do we take take a step back and go, what's your what? story and why are you getting yeah, injured like, over what, and over what am again? I, what, there's something's wrong. Yeah. Why don't I take the time to right. fix this rather than trying to chase a number or chase right. a weight? And uh, whether it's a deadlift or whatever it is in life of just, you know, how come when I get out of bed, I have such a hard time rolling over? Maybe taking that step of looking back at being like, okay, what can I do to fix this? And that's in that movement aspect. But like you were talking about, it's not just about like movement. It's about take a look at your entire life. Like, are you actually happy in life? Are you, are you living the person that you want to be? I think, you know, it, am I right? Yes. Wrong? Like, yeah. Like, like trying to make sure that you're living for who you want to be and not living for somebody else. 
And I absolutely love that. And like or, I said, or an image that of a of a person that's not real, it's a fictitious story, or some sort of like hallucination of a figure in a movie or something, an action hero that you're trying to be that doesn't even exist to begin with. That's your story in your head. Are you living for that? Because that's not real. That's not that's not an attainable goal. So why don't we come back down to earth, you know, and, and start to establish some and, and <laughs> some exactly goals too, here. you know, and for some people, it's not it's not even that they realize that too. It's it's that's part of their something story. like saying, we've yeah. been here, like you know, you're you're explaining where you've been, like, and the same thing that I've always said too is that, you know, I come from this alpha male mentality of, uh, uh, you know, I have to wear this suit of armor that I can't ever show emotion, and no matter what, even coming out of the military, that I have to still play this military part and I'm not allowed to, to ask for help, you know, it's frowned upon. And I think we talked about this earlier too. Like when you're asking for help nowadays, people look at you as helpless rather than trying to reach that hand out and be like, yeah, let's totally do this. Let's, let's help out. And I don't want to say that's totally gone because it's not, but just because a lot of the social, social images that we have created, it's made people believe that we don't need help. And we don't need our tribe like you were talking about. Like you got to that. Like you got to experience what you wanted to. You set yourself up in life to be able to step away from that corporate world and be like, you know what? I'm going to live that simple life. But there's still something missing. And I'm mm -hmm. missing those people to have that tribe that are similar to me. And I mean, that's why we're sitting down today, I think. Like I meet these people a lot of times. They're like, Matt. Matt brings a lot of the, you know, a lot of her clients on. And I have to say is like when I sit down and hear your story, I'm instantly like, Darcy, you're my tribe. Like, mm -hmm. like I'm going to look at you and I'm going to like be there for you should you need anything um, just because I love where your head is at. And it goes back to like, you know, surrounding yourself with people that help make you better. And it's a hard thing to do to cut the, to cut the line off of those friends that you've had for 20 years that are the same ones that are like, hey, let's go and do this, but they don't align to your goals. They don't help you get to that like 100 miler. They don't help you, um, you know, chase that dream of living that simple life or helping inspire others. And it's really powerful to get to that point in your life and experience that. And I think that's exactly what we're trying to show here on this podcast is yeah, we're, we're talking about fitness. We're talking about like some huge accomplishments that are probably well above most people's heads that they'll ever think they're capable of doing. But at the same time, Darcy, you're just a normal person like you and me. You're not anything special. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful <laughs> way. And I know you know that. Like you're just you're another person. Like all. you're just yeah. another person. You're just <laughs> another person, honestly, in this life that decided to change their mindset and look at what we need to do to become who you are. And now you're able to sit here and share the story and I'm sure at some time, whether it's now, whether it's an hour, whether it's when you hear this podcast, when it comes on, you're going to reflect and listen to this and it's going to make you smile. It's going to inspire you and be like, you know what? I really got a message out that other people can hear. And you're going to feel great. Too. And uh, you're also going to be like, holy cow, I did that. Like, like <laughs> that was me. Like, I did that. I did that. And, and it's funny too, is uh, one thing that uh, they don't hear is all the stuff that we talk about before. And you're like, all right, give me the scope. I want to know what questions we're going to ask. Hey, what do I need to know? We need to do a lowdown and uh, everything like that. And it, it gives you a little anxiety. Like it does for like most of our uh, guests on here. Like it gives a little anxiety. Like, oh my God, am I going to screw this up? But in reality, we're just here to talk about your life and just let everyone else experience the happiness 
and also the struggles that you've gone through in your life. And, and, and we just, want you to be happy. We want our guests to feel a sense of, wow, that would actually felt good, you know? Because we, 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 this is like a, a platform for people to share their life. And who the hell doesn't want to share their life in a society where we don't necessarily practice revering our ancestors anymore, our, our elderly, the, the people who have been through a lot. We don't sit around and like listen to them talk about their experiences and their stories anymore. Yeah, we don't have it's time for our parents. We don't have time for our grandparents because we we're you know? working, we're trying to make money, we're yeah. trying to do this. And, and, it's not any, and, and, and in many ways, it's been sort of uh, defined as being some um, a negative. It's an egotistical thing to talk about the things you've done, the lessons you've learned in life. But guess what? You know, We're only here because we've spent millions of years of learning from our, our elders in, around a fire about how life works. That's why we're here to begin with. So sometimes when you sit around a fire and you listen to a good story or you listen to a war veteran talk about something or you listen to some crazy athlete talk face-to-face and you're, you're at a party or wherever it is, there's something to that. Like, it makes you feel different than just hearing that from like a Netflix doc. Yeah. You know, it's, it's totally different to me. So, Darcy, if there's anything that you want to tell our clients, any last words, last stories, last, uh, you know, any information, tidbits, any plugs you have? Once again, we do want to plug. Yeah, Mission Fitness, um, my, my blog. In but your blog? I need to start doing more on it. I really haven't done a lot on it. But if you do want to hear about my race history and the stuff I've done, I do have some workouts on there. It's www.theworldismygym.wordpress.com. Uh, but... Also, you know, if you're in the Glastonbury area or, um, and you want to get into triathlons, we do do the Lake T Triathlon in the summertime. Mission Fitness has taken that over, so we do run that every other Thursday in Marlboro. Yeah, so come check us out if you want to get start? into uh, – it starts in June, and it's June. a really, really cool environment. It's on uh, Marlboro Lake, which Lake Terramungus that my brother and I grew up on. It's just we do a super sprint, which is like a – um, short swim. I think it's like a mile and a half run, a six mile bike. And, uh, if you want to get dabble in the triathlon world, come check us out there. It's a, a really, really fun environment in the summertime. So, um, we do that every other Thursday. You can check out like, um, T triathlon on, uh, Facebook. So yeah. Lake T is definitely in the, that's the place we've been jumping in yeah. pretty much yeah. <laughs> for the, uh, the yep. cold water dunks this time too. So, well, Darcy, thank you so much for Darcy, coming on and, and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. You're awesome. Thank yes. You. You're a great friend. You're an inspiration. You do a lot for the people that you, your clients, your friends, everyone, whether you believe you do or not. All right. <laughs> Thanks thank guys. You for thank you. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah. Yes. And listeners, thank you very much. And we'll be back next week. See ya.